Welcome to this GSA Momentum Discussion podcast episode titled Improving Dementia Care Practices, a Health System Approach. Momentum discussions highlight topics experiencing great momentum in the field of gerontology. We are grateful to Genentech, Lilly, Azai, and Otska for their support of the GSA Care Toolkit for Primary Care Teams and today's podcast. My name is Jen Pettis. I'm the Director of Strategic Alliances at the Gerontological Society of America, and I'm pleased to serve as the host for today's Momentum Discussion podcast episode. I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague and a member of the Expert Advisory Panel for the GSA Care Toolkit for Brain Health, Amy Bohm. Amy is a Health System Director with the Alzheimer's Association, and she works with care providers in Ohio, Michigan, and West Virginia to leverage the Alzheimer's Association resources and training while taking a health systems approach to improve dementia care. Amy, thank you for taking time on your busy schedule to share your insights around improving dementia care practices with a health system approach. Hi, Jen. Thanks for the invitation. We are super excited to be here, and I love having this conversation, so having it with you is extra special. So thanks for the invite. Thank you so much. Well, let's jump right in and talk about that in December 2019, the Alzheimer's Association announced that it had launched a new health systems initiative. And that initiative aimed at facilitating and enhancing dementia care in the clinical setting. So Amy, why did the association believe that it was so important to take that health system approach? Yeah, just to share some back history, many people know the Alzheimer's Association for the great work that we do in supporting patients and caregivers after the time of diagnosis. So we have fantastic community education, we have support groups, we do care consultation. Many people have been to our website and see the amazing resources that we have there. And you're right, in 2019, the Alzheimer's Association, we launched our health system initiative to go from just being known or seen as a social service agency to actually dipping a toe and a foot and a leg at times into the world of public health. And so we're working with health systems in a new way. In addition to all the great work that we're doing in the community with our programs, we're also partnering with health systems across the country to drive the early detection of dementia, the early and accurate, I guess, detection of dementia, and improve the quality of care delivered after the time of diagnosis. And a lot of the work that we're doing is truly asking questions, probing questions, and talking about why the time is right to start focusing on dementia care. And in our 2023 facts and figures, some alarming figures were in there. And, you know, we we stayed in there that more than 6 million Americans are now living with Alzheimer's and other related dementia. And we expect that number to double by 2050. And so we need to really focus in on supporting health systems as they're dealing with this disease and also providing support to patients and caregivers as they are on this journey. Turn now to focus on primary care and why the association feels that changing practices around brain health and primary care is so urgently needed. Can you discuss some of the association's findings shared in the 2019 special report, Alzheimer's Detection in Primary Care Setting, Paving a Path Forward? I love that. 
Yeah, we certainly need a path forward to that public health approach that you mentioned. So how are these findings driving the association's health systems work? Right. So like you said, in 2019, well, every year we do a special report as we release our facts and figures. And in 2019, our special report focused on this disease as it impacts primary care physicians. And so we surveyed physicians across the country, as well as those impacted with the disease. And here's what we found, that despite a strong belief among seniors that brief cognitive assessments are important, we are finding that only half are being assessed for cognitive decline. And of course, much fewer are receiving routine assessments along the way. So we know that in general, seniors trust their physicians to recommend testing, whether that be testing for cognition testing or testing for you know cancer screenings and things like that. They trust their clinician to say, it's time to have this test. And then on the other side, so as we're talking to physicians, they're often waiting for their patient to say, hey, I have a question or I'm experiencing this challenge or I have this problem. So on one side, we have the patient waiting for the clinician to say something. And on the other side, we have the clinician waiting for their patient to bring something up. And meanwhile, the conversation is not happening at all. And we feel, you know, we're targeting health systems in general, but putting a special emphasis on working with primary care clinicians because, you know, they're seeing patients on a regular basis. And many times it would be a primary care clinician identifying if something is changing with the patient they're serving. And so we want to make sure we're doing our part to equip um, clinicians with the tools and resources they need, but also get them thinking differently about this disease as well and bringing it up um, and feeling confident in and having discussions around cognitive impairment and brain health, right? We want to drive this conversation around brain health when it comes to risk reduction and primary care clinicians are really primed and in a great spot to do this. So the Alzheimer's Association reported just a couple of years ago in 2021 that total payments for caring for Americans age 65 and older with Alzheimer's or other dementias surpassed a quarter of a trillion dollars, an increase of nearly 50 billion from the year before. So what's behind those costs and how does that relate to your health system approach? Oh, yes. So as we talk about this disease, we also talk about it being a very costly disease for health systems, for our country in general. And what we're finding is that Alzheimer's is a complicated disease to manage. We also realize that more than 95% of patients with Alzheimer's or another related dementia they are also experiencing other comorbidities that they're facing. So that might be diabetes, it could be hypertension or another comorbidity. We also realize that people with Alzheimer's have more hospitalizations. And we feel that roughly 24% of those hospitalizations are preventable. And then finally, people with Alzheimer's also have more emergency room visits. And what we're seeing is that admissions are not for their Alzheimer's disease specifically, but often related, meaning, and this really all ties together. So for instance, if someone has diabetes and also they're dealing with Alzheimer's, they might be forgetting to take their medication or taking it at different times. 
or they could be dealing with behavior issues and having outbursts. And maybe a caregiver is, is just, I don't know what to do. And often those things will land a patient into the emergency room. And so that's why we'd say it's often not because specifically, you know, they have Alzheimer's, it's landing them into the emergency room, but it's, it's typically due to the fact that they have this disease, whether it's diagnosed or not. And so that, you know, truly is impacting the cost when you start looking at length of stay, readmission, hospitalizations in general, it's truly driving up the cost of this disease. And, you know, we feel at the association that, you know, for us, to, to really get control of this, we need to really focus in on making sure that patients are receiving an early and accurate diagnosis. And not only that, but getting on a strong care management plan as well to deal with the journey that they're about to be on. And we say, you know, getting an early diagnosis is important. It's important for the patient and the caregiver. It's going to relieve, relieve them from the anxieties that they're facing with this unknown cause of, of cognitive decline that they're experiencing. It also is giving the caregiver and the patient an opportunity to have meaningful discussions about the journey that they're about to be on. You know, what happens when maybe a patient can no longer stay at home? What does that mean? And what would those next steps look like? Maybe it's about driving. You know, when, when, at what point am I going to stop driving if I'm dealing with cognitive decline issues and having those conversations? And the earlier a diagnosis is made, patients are able to be part of those conversations. And think about what that means for the caregiver. If their loved one is saying, you know what, this is how I want this journey to look like for me. And even though maybe I, I forget what I'm saying now in five years, this is what's meaningful for me right now. Think about what that means for the caregiver and that burden that is most likely being relieved from them as they're having their loved one in the decision-making process. So that's why we feel an early diagnosis is so important. Well, we're pleased at GSA to have the opportunity to partner with the Alzheimer's Association. Actually, just last week, we were together there in Ohio, and I was able to share the GSA Care Toolkit for Primary Care Teams during some health system trainings. From your perspective, how does the Care Toolkit address an unmet need for primary care for providers? Well, first of all, kudos to GSA for creating this toolkit and all the stakeholders that you were able to bring together to really create this amazing toolkit. And for those of you listening out there, if you have not seen it, please visit the website, look at the digital or the electronic copy because lots of links in there that you can click and takes you to a lot of amazing resources out there. What I see of value with the GSA Care Toolkit is that it is truly a one-stop shop for those who are interested in driving change within their practice. So many times we have conversations with clinicians, and actually, if we go back to that 2019 facts and figures report, what we found is that they need guidance. These clinicians need guidance on what to do guidance on which assessment tools to use, what should be those next steps if I notice cognitive decline, how to disclose a diagnosis of dementia. So we know that's what we heard. You know, clinicians need this. And the CARE Toolkit 
provides all of that. With kickstarting conversations, with assessing, evaluating, referring to resources, it's all in one package. And so it truly is a valuable resource for those clinicians who are really serious about driving change within their practice as they're serving more and more of the aging population. Thank you for the kind words about GSA's work. We're certainly proud of it. So what about the association's work? How do you and your colleagues support health systems that choose to work with the association? Yeah, so in 2019, as I mentioned, we launched the Health System Initiative, and that also meant that our organization invested in health system directors across the country. So in addition to the work that I do in Region 10, and so we're broken up into region, my region is Michigan, Ohio, and West Virginia. We have health system directors that are serving regions across the country. We have roughly 20, 22 health system directors that are doing the exact same thing, working with health systems and having this conversation. So we typically go into a health system. For instance, I had a meeting this morning with a health system. We did it via Zoom. And, you know, they, they said, tell, tell us a little bit more about this health system initiative and what we could be doing to partner with the Alzheimer's Association. And it truly is more than just a partnership. The work that we're doing is impacting change. And so many times in the conversation that, that we have, it's more than just a quick fix that we can come in and, and provide. It's really, truly looking at what changes can be made in the fabric of the system. You know, what system level changes can be made so it sticks, this work sticks. Beyond just one clinical champion that we work with, or beyond me just coming in and saying this work's important, we want to make sure that the work sticks. And so that's truly at the heart of what we're doing is, is going in and building relationships, um, discovering like what are the gaps that a health system is experiencing as they're um, trying to tackle this disease and or tackle, tackle some of the other issues that the aging population is dealing with, whether that be delirium or fall risk, you know, what other things can we can we do to support that? And really what we're doing is having conversations about improvement projects and what that might mean for a care setting or an entire system and how that improvement project will then drive system level changes down the road. So if a healthcare team or system leadership wants to improve dementia care, can you give them some suggestions for how to get started? Absolutely. So first thing I would say, connect with your Alzheimer's Association health system director. And for the most part, that can be found via our website, alz.org. You can go and find on the health system page how to get in contact with your health system director. I always say, number one, if this work was easy, it would already be done. So, you know, that's the main thing. This work is not easy. And the other thing I would say is, you know, most health systems out there have quality improvement teams already built into their system. So it's not that the Alzheimer's Association, we need to come in and lead this quality improvement project, but certainly we would like to be part of the discussion and provide some technical assistance. So what we can offer is assistance when it comes to looking at the current state of care delivery within the health system. How many 65 and older are you currently serving? What are you doing to screen for potential cognitive decline? What happens if, if cognitive decline is indicated? What are the next steps? And these are some of the probing questions that we ask. And of course, we have 
as we have worked with health systems across the country, we're starting to develop best practices and how other systems are tackling this work. So we're able to share resources. We've even linked up health systems together, similar health systems to share how this work is happening. And the other thing that we do is provide motivation and support throughout this entire process. Like I said, it's not easy. There's a lot of roadblocks along the way in tackling a disease like this, but we provide motivation, we provide support. And then certainly we always make sure to link up the health system with all of the great community resources that the Alzheimer's Association and other organizations have to serve those after the time of diagnosis. Because many times that's always the next thing. Well, if we're diagnosing all these people, then what? How can we support them? And so we make sure to also kind of close the loop there and make those connections locally with our local program staff. Great. Well, I heard some great uh, insights from you and it's certainly been a wonderful discussion. A few key things that I heard. One is some pretty alarming statistics around healthcare utilization. One out of four times someone with Alzheimer's or related dementia goes to the hospital, they don't need to, or it could have been prevented. I won't say they don't need to. And certainly the difficulty of the older adult managing comorbidities, basically 19 out of 20 have a comorbidity. And so the importance of the early diagnosis if for no other reason to allow them to get a strong management plan to keep those comorbidities well-managed and to to allow their caregiver to have that support. I also heard you say a couple of times that if the work was easy, it would already be done. And I think that that's a really important message. It sounds like as the health system directors go into the organizations, they support the teams to assess the current state, to really learn about their population, to learn about their current practice, And those are skills that they really can then apply. Maybe they're skills they already have, maybe they're muscles they're strengthening, or maybe they're really learning those skills for the first time. And those are things that they can then apply to other quality improvement priorities in their organization. So that's really valuable as well. What are some other key points that you'd like to mention to leave our listeners with? You know, another thing that I would say that we're also assisting hospitals, as well as outpatient centers and primary care clinics with is the movement to become age-friendly. So we are partnering with the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, IHI, to get more and more health systems that age-friendly designation. So I feel like many of us have become kind of experts in the M's of the four M's to get the special accreditation. So focusing on mentation, medication, what matters, mobility, So we often partner with health systems to work through the designation process. We're also looking at getting more and more health systems and supporting them becoming geriatric ED accredited as well. So we are supporting that effort. We are so excited to be working with GSA. We're hoping that more and more primary care practices really utilize the toolkit and not only just review the toolkit, but I think that's where we have a unique opportunity to not only present them with this toolkit, but actually work with them to identify, you know, the different interventions in there that you have listed, the fantastic resources, and really figure out how are they going to implement these in their practice or their organization. And I think that's another key piece on what we are doing as well. So we are just looking forward to expanding our reach, especially as new treatments become approved. We're excited about that. 
And so we are interested in really being that trusted partner as more health systems tackle Alzheimer's and related dementias. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for all that you and your colleagues are doing, sharing your work in health systems to improve dementia care. And I also want to thank those who are listening to this episode of the GSA Momentum Discussion Podcast. We hope you found it informative and enjoyable. Thanks again, Amy, for being here. Thanks, Jen, for the invite. Have a great day, everyone. To learn more about the Gerontological Society of America, visit geron.org. The Gerontological Society of America was founded in 1945 to promote the scientific study of aging, cultivate excellence in interdisciplinary aging research, and education to advance innovations in practice and policy. For more information about GSA, visit geron.org.